Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey Baumeister. How's it going, bro? Hey, not too bad, my brother. I am having a good week so far. Relaxing, having some versus live action. How about you? How's your week? I mean, isn't that what you do every week, though? Well, it's extra especially relaxing this time. Oh, I've never found any time of mine with Ross Merriam relaxing, but to each their own, indeed. Fair, fair. All right, so the Bash Bros podcast this week is actually going to be doing a deep dive on one of Standard's best decks, Golos Ramp. But before we get into that, we first have to let you know that you can find this podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And we do have a Patreon, but it's actually down right now because we are working on revamping it with some awesome stuff. So Patreon part two. The 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 Tronanine. The electric boogaloo. <laughs> All right, but we also we also, without further ado, have a very special guest this week. Now, since we were working on Golos Tireless Pilgrim decks, and that's our deep dive, we wanted to bring in someone that knew a thing or two about Phil the Dead. So we brought in an expert on being dead inside. And that is the number one ranked uh, Mythic Pro player in Magic, MPL member, Brian Brundoon. How's it going, BBD? Uh, it's going. It's, uh, it's, it's an honor to be a part of this podcast. Thank you so much. It is such an honor to have you. How have you been doing? Uh, you know, living life. That's great. It's good to hear that you're living. <laughs> I, I love it every I day. Thought when I, I thought you were our dead expert. What's that? I thought you were our dead expert. How are you just living life? Well, Corey, it's one of life's great paradoxes to be dead inside. One first has to know what it's like to be alive. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> That's dark, man. That is dark. It is, in fact, a Starbucks dark roast coffee right there for you. <laughs> Those at least make you happy, though. <laughs> that is true. They do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about being dead inside and what effects that has on the people around you. <laughs> no, <I'm> and <laughs> with a side, with a side topic of Golos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lay lay the the, the first uh, couple miles of pavement down here for today's episode. We are going to be discussing. Bant ramp specifically. Now there's very different or Bant, Golos ramp that's based around Bant. Now there's many different ways to build this, but we're going to be talking about the things we've been doing personally and where uh, the deck really started. Now Throne of Eldraine just came out. And so there's been a lot of different decks. I mean, people have been working on so many different things, but the format kind of took a big turn when Brian Gottlieb won the fandom casters cup this last Sunday with uh, his version of Golos ramp. That was his, like, uh, fifth win in a row with Fandom, right? Something like pretty that? Pretty much, yeah. He, he he beat me last week, Thursday. I was I was, I was pretty ticked off about that one. Uh, I wanted to win that tournament, but the deck was Mostly really cool. Mostly because you would have XO'd. I, I watched that match. Weren't you 6-0 and then you played him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then he just, like, uh, juked the format again only three days later and played in the Casters Cup with Bant uh, Golos and ended up winning that tournament. And so... Ever since then, a lot of people have started to move towards this deck. I did myself. And I ended up taking the deck all the way from, you know, the next day was the, or yeah, the next day was the reset for for Mythic. And so everyone moved back down to Platinum. And it, it only took me 24 hours to get back to Mythic, exclusively playing 
with this deck. Now I made changes to it and we'll get into those as we go. But um, I've been playing a ton of this deck. I think you're even starting to move on to it. And our special guest has even played a decent amount with this strategy. Yeah. One one thing I do want to say, it's pretty impressive that like Brian Gottlieb is just trying to uh, metagame against himself. Like the deck he played is now playing a good matchup against that. It like really reminded when we went on that, uh, our GP streak, Brad, uh, you know. Well, I didn't have a streak. You had a streak, but we can keep humble bragging if you'd like to. I would like to, but just metagaming <laughs> against ourselves. It was sweet. <laughs> oh yeah, he's doing his his best uh, Bash Bros impression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, to get into the actual the meat of this conversation we're going to be discussing every aspect of uh this archetype even down to the mana base because we've been playing a ton with this deck and now i think that uh golos ramp is going to be the most popular deck in standard for a while now until the until we find a reaction to it but currently the only thing that i'm seeing is super hyper aggressive decks which i think that uh this deck can correct towards and beat anyway so until we actually find an archetype to dethrone the strategy it's probably worth uh the investment of an episode on every little detail so everyone that's listening has a good chance of winning their tournaments this weekend yeah and i wouldn't be shocked if uh at scg philadelphia this is the most played standard deck or at least the most successful oh i think it's going to be the most played deck for sure i, I think yeah. it's very good I, I i'm playing it in fandom this week and i i don't really know what to do uh, moving forward. I mean, I have to reg Brian and I register for the mythic championship next week. And so we have Jeez. about a week to figure this all out. Jeez. Yeah. yeah that's we, gotta be we, uh, we a getting a little stressful, huh? Oh, it is stressful. I can't even believe we're taking the time. I can't believe Brian's taking the time out of his busy schedule to be here with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this much. Uh, I'll tell you how to beat the stress right here, right now. It's called being dead inside. Oh. <laughs> then, it, then it just, none of it matters, you know, then you don't have to worry about it at all. Well, wow, you've had it, life figured out the whole time. I, yeah, you know, it was in front of me all along. Now, I, I, you know, a week is both a lot of time and no time at this at, all at once, you know, so. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, the thing so about... Much can, so much can change in a week, but it's also, like, not that much time to, to figure things out, too. I, it's hard to explain, but it's both a lot and a little. Well, yeah, I mean, see... just look at, look at last Mythic Championship Arena. Now, um, how this works for everyone at home that doesn't know is we register very early for this tournament um i don't really get why we have to but that's just the case so we, we I, are I do i do get why we have to but okay just for well, media and presentation i imagine right i don't think so no oh yeah i don't know if i'm allowed to say but i don't want to say oh. because but yeah yeah but so we are registering for this tournament on the 9th even though it the the first match will get played on the 18th and so um last mythic championship three was the same and the week, the weekend's event before registration, uh, an Esper control deck came out that wasn't playing Hero of Precinct 1. And almost over half of the MPL members played that deck. So, like, that could happen this week with SCG Philly, where something comes out that no one thought about. And that completely warps everyone's time because they only have four days. That deck uh, in particular popping up was great for the Esper Hero boys, right? No, it was terrible. <laughs> it was our worst. <laughs> It was I our know. worst matchup, but Hero still greatly outperformed it in the tournament. Counted. <laughs> yeah. Scoreboard. No big deal. Yeah, yeah and, we, uh, and, and, and I beat it every time I played it. And I lost um, to it every time I played it. But <laughs> teach their own. Teach their BBD, own. BBD, did you beat anything that pro tour? No. 
<laughs> you still because it's not a pro tour it's a mythic championship oh yeah if you want to get still invited win a bro match. you better get your branding straight yeah, oh yeah still did not win a match though so yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so the first thing we're actually going to talk about is the mana base now this to a lot of people this doesn't matter uh because it'll eventually get like People homogenize the mana base and then we'll find a stock version and maybe someone deviates by one or the other. But to anyone that's trying to perfect the deck, especially us trying to work on it for such a big tournament, there's been a lot of discussions about the mana base. And the first thing is between 28 and 29. And now I think that Brian said it best when he explained why 29 lands. So why don't you uh, hit him with, with your 29 land reasoning? So, okay, yeah. So I, I started playing with Brian Gottlieb's list, which had 28 lands. And the first thing I noticed was I kept drawing Arboreal Grazers and had no extra lands in my hand to put in play with them. And very frequently, uh, in fact, I want to say almost all the time, the card I wanted to draw off the top of my deck was a land. Almost all the time. And so to me, I, I it, it was loot. It, it, to me, it's straight insanity to play less than 29 lands. Like actual insanity. Like I think you should be locked up. <laughs> if you play less than 29 lands in this deck because you really need to, like it, it you have to hit your land drops up to turn five and then past turn five like you want to really you want to hit your first like seven eight land drops and sometimes you don't always have uh you know the cards that like you don't always you can't always crisis for three which will probably find you a land or whatever like sometimes you don't have the you don't have those cards and so you just need to draw them and i think arboreal grazer is incredibly powerful in this deck uh, one of it's one of the better cards, but you know it's not going to be good if you go grazer on turn two, put a land, put an extra land into play, and then you know play your land for a turn. You get to ramp a land, and then next turn if you don't have a land drop to play anyway, like the grazer did you nothing. Uh, or later in the game if you draw a grazer and you don't have a land to put into play, it, it just does nothing. So um, I'm I, I think thirty lands is more correct than twenty eight, and in fact it's possible that thirty is correct, which. Maybe that's too much, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's incredibly like irresponsible to play less than 29. So next podcast, BBD is going to say you should be incarcerated if you play 29 lands. It's only 30. Yeah. <laughs> next podcast, I'll be saying like, look, I'm, I'm recording this from my prison cell. What, 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 Call the what, police what, on myself because I was playing 29 lands. <laughs> I can't in good conscience allow such lawlessness to thrive. BBD, for what, the last what, time, what? your basement is your basement is not a jail cell, man. You know, you Brad's not keeping you there prisoner. You can leave. Also, no, he, when he what podcast are you going to be on next week? Uh, oh, I've started my own. <laughs> oh, that's that's it's perfect. Called, it's called the Ass Bros Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All anus related jokes. That's all it is. <laughs> with only or, shitty guests. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, 29 has felt much better than 28 because you are playing a Boreal Grazer and Gross Spirals. And these are the cards that you just need to make your land drops um, with to make sure that they're valuable. Yeah. And even on your, like, your heavy land hands, when you draw those cards with the lands... The one thing that you have in hand, sometimes just being another mana producer in Securitas route, is going to allow you to create a board position earlier in the game. Like, I've had draws where all I had was Ramp and a Fill of the Dead, and my opponent, like, they played the 7-6, I can never remember its name, the Dinosaur? Rotting Registor. Yeah, Rotting Registor, on their turn three, on the play, and when they attacked on turn four, I already had three zombies to block it. 
Yeah. And and so you can't have you can't miss a land drop or all of that all that potential falls apart. Yeah. Yeah, right when I saw the list, I took out one grazer and added a land just because I've been last season I was really down on grazer, but I I think it is just a lot better in this version than it was last season. Like I mean, I went down to like two last season, but it seems like a good three or four of um Oh yeah, and around. we'll definitely get into that because there's lists that disagree with uh grazer's um value in the deck, but yeah. So, staying with the lands, there are a couple more com- complexities because there's a few options that we see differences. And one of those being what colored gates are non, your off colored lands that you're gonna play. So for those of you who uh, haven't played with this deck or seen it before, Golos Tireless Pilgrim is a five mana, three five, that when it comes to play, you can search your library for any land and put it into play. But then its other ability is two colors and rainbow. So it's two colors, red, white, blue, black, green. Seven and, total mana, one of each color. Yes, and you get to, reveal the top three cards of your library and you can cast them or sorry, you can play them without paying their mana cost. So let you can put lands into play off of it. A you can land. Cast, yeah. A land. Yeah. Yeah. You um, still only get one land drop per turn. Yeah. And if you grow spiral, you don't get to put one of those lands into play or a grazer. Cause those specifically say from your hand. Right. You can um, play, you could play one of the goalless lands as your land for the turn and then grow spiral to put a land from your hand into play. But if you yes. hit two lands off a of goalless, the second one is not going to be relevant. Yep, and you can't hydroid crisis off of the ability. Uh, you can oh, you can. It. Oh, you can. Oh, you can, Mr. Well, Nelson. you can put a 0-0 into play and watch the animations. Yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. But you, I always <laughs> fear doing that because it's a spew. Because if you put it into play as a joke and your opponent concedes at that exact spot, then the hydroid um, animation and sound starts until the next spells cast in the next game. Have you ever had that happen? Oh, I've had that oh. happen many times. You call it yeah. a spew. I call it a... Uh, Value. I call it a, yeah. <laughs> I call it working as intended. I, yeah, that's a little extra me. That's a little extra value, you know? You don't get that value always. Cherish it when you do. And it's the worst one, too, because people concede to a Hydroid Crisis for 12. And so then the next game, every single land and car and land... Card you draw and land you play has that animation until it just splashes yeah. around. <laughs> it's so it's so hard on the ears. It's like you're playing magic in BBD's basement that's still flooded. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to get back onto it, um, so you have to play off-colored lands, and now you could do that by playing off-colored temples or gates. Those are so those are to be. I just want to be clear about one thing. This deck is. A, the deck that we're talking about, the Golos deck, it's a five-color deck because of the nature of Golos, but really it's a Bant deck. Like, yes. every card in the deck is Bant-colored, so we're playing a Bant deck, but to facilitate the ability to activate Golos, we do need off-color lands. I just want to make that clear. We so. can also play sideboard cards, and I do play a sideboard card that's off-color. Yeah, you can play off-color sideboard cards, too. Uh, very, yes. very relevant, yeah. Or, um, or main deck cards with off-color abilities, which we'll get to as well. Ooh, yes. like um, Golos Pilgrim. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, we already got we already touched on that. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the first thing that I want to talk about is um the gates situation because uh you know the the cards that most people are playing, the off-colored lands, are Golgari Guildgate, Orzov Guildgate, Boros Guildgate, Isaac Guildgate, and sometimes I've seen Temple of of Epiphany or Temple of uh Malice. Sure. Or not Malice, Temple of Black Malady? Green. 
Malady. Oh, you, you've Malady. been seeing Malady. people cheating? That's insane. Wow. Yeah, Temple of Malady. <laughs> and so th- these are the options for your, uh, what I consider off colors, which are red and black. Yeah. And so... Um, I was, I was, I was dabbling with my numbers because I saw a few people, like most people actually play the, the temple of, or the, is it Gilgate? Excuse me. Yeah. And I, I personally don't like that. And that's because of Brian's argument to me about it. Um, which was that you, you often, when you play a circuitous route to go get usually two off colored gates, unless you're really screwed on some color of mana. You usually want those lands to also produce white for your wrath of your sweeper effects. Yep. And yeah, so, if you cast a circuitous route, you want to make sure after the route has resolved, you have two white mana. Because if you draw a uh, realm shifted giant or whatever it's called, realm then, cloak giant. Yeah, realm cloak giant. Wow! Wanna, wow! You, wow! You need Did to be able we to cast just it. correct BBD on a pronunciation of a car? I mean, this is uh, this it's, is a first. It's 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 not a pronunciation. It's a word. We'll never get them on pronunciation. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and it's on it's on a card that I'm literally looking at the name. <laughs> <laughs> hey Brad, don't don't ruin this for us, okay? We we get small victories on this cast. Okay. You've ruined it for yourself, Corey. You have done that to yourself. Yeah. Okay. All myself. you're doing, Corey, is building expectations, and we will <laughs> never meet them. <laughs> uh, that's what my mom told me when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> and you remember that as a baby? You remember that as a newborn? Wow, you are a miracle. Before That's you when my day changed. Adoption. Exactly. Yeah. Now I came into this family with Brad, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, things went downhill fast. Yeah. <laughs> no, All I right. think it's interesting though having uh, uh, gates versus temples, just because I feel like you can't really just have your off-color um, lands be temples because you can't search for Secutus Rod. Am I missing something on that? Or well, you play both. Oh, you just play both. Okay. Yeah, you have temples and you have gates. And, like, a temple is better to draw than a gate is. Yep. Uh, but you need to make sure that you have the right gates, the right gate capability uh, when you cast Circuitous Route. So one thing to be, one thing to be, that's really important about the deck is Circuitous Route is the card. So Golos can fetch you a color of mana that you're missing, but Golos is almost always going to get you Field of the Dead because that's the most important Card like this deck would not function without Field of the Dead existence. Mm-hmm. So you want your Goloses to get you Fields of the Dead. So when you cast a circuitous route, you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up with the right colors of mana so that Golos doesn't have to get a color of mana. So uh because of that, you want to make sure like you want your circuitous route to generally get you the red source and the black source that you're missing, because most of the time you're gonna be missing it, you only play a couple of each. Or, like, in some cases, only one red source, maybe two or three black sources. So, you want to make sure that you're playing the right guild gates so that your other color of mana also is a color that you need. So, for example, you need to make sure that you can get a red guild gate and a black guild gate, but you also have the luxury of getting either a forest island, like, basically any bant color has to be associated with it. I think white is the most important color because of Realm Shift, uh, Realm Cloak Giant. Sorry, I don't know why I think it's Realm Shifted Giant. I'm sorry, Realm Cloak Giant. So white's the most important color because you need a second white for Realm Cloak Giant. But early in the game, you need green and blue to like cast your early game spells. So you don't necessarily have like extra white sources than you do like green sources, for example. So that's where you're relying on route to get you the second white source uh, for that. But 
that's why you want to be able to get like a white you want to get get something like a boros guild gate that gives you the red also gives you the white um or or whatever and like you you just want to make sure that if you get a red and a black guild gate you can also you you also have the possibility of getting a green a blue or a white mana in addition to those guild gates so you want to make sure that your red and black source sources also come attached to a green a blue and a white and so boros guild gate that gives you your white um like i play demir guild gate that gives me blue and black um you can also play like golgari guild gate that gives you a green and a black like those are just considerations okay. that you have to be aware of so i have I a question actually... for you guys i know you guys have been playing this more do you think you need three lands that have red or black connected to them and the bant colors or do you guys think only two is correct and leave one of the bant colors out of it i i actually don't play any uh red or black source that is attached to a blue land so i think that is a mistake i think that's a mistake because of of the basically one of the the, the lands that we we're planning on talking about later which is castle vantress um i think castle vantress is a massive overperformer in this deck uh it, it it has it has been insanely good for me and i think because of that land requiring two blue mana to activate and then also sometimes you want to also cast a spell that same turn that has a blue like maybe a gross spiral or something i i think that you blue mana is not irrelevant so yeah. I, I i do i do think that you should have the ability to get a blue source while also fixing your mana yeah, I would lean on Demir and Boros as my two fixing as well, Act like cutting out green, because I feel if you're Securitas routing, you already have a green and you don't really need more than one. You guys think yeah. that's flawed logic? or I think that's good logic. I think green is the is actually the least important of, of yeah. those three. Yeah, but except you also, trying to get it early to play the spells, which is tough. Yes, yeah, so you also have to uh, understand that you need sources and preferably green in the early turns because... Um, even while once upon a time and we'll get up, we'll get to these cards later and talk about their importance while once upon a time is effectively quote unquote free sometimes you'll cast a grazer or gross spiral and still need to cast that early in the game and um but you just need you need a density a high enough density of green and blue sources already in the deck just so it functions white's actually the color that you're you're kind of skimping on by by the sort when the sources are related to to your deck and that's why it's so important that your circuitous routes get you uh, to white sources. Because there's a lot of games where I don't even have access to a white. Um, yeah. But yeah, Bri Brian might be right on that Demir argument. Um, currently, I don't have that. But the, my main point is, while I will want to see your mana base to figure out what you've changed, I I think is it's like the worst. I yeah. just. But yep. but I guess but I guess blue black and blue red are effectively the same. Yeah, they're effectively the same. Is it? So the difference is that if you play, so if you play, is it Guildgate? Then you need to make sure that your other then you need to make sure you're playing Orzov Guildgate. In my opinion, I play Orzov. Yeah, or uh, yeah, have yeah. Black and red connected on different lands. Yeah. That that way you can get black and red mana off your Circuitous route, and you can also get the white and the blue. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like you, you need, like, it doesn't, I don't know if it matters that much, which ones you play. Like, so to be clear, you don't want to play all 10 guild gates. Cause then you have way too many tap to come in and play tap lands that don't really do like they're, they're bad lands outside of being able to be found by circuitous route. Yeah. So you don't want to play like 10 guild gates. So you have to pick and choose, but the key is that you need to like, 
you know, if you play Izzet, then you want Orzov. If you play Boros, then you want Demir. Like, you need to just make sure that you're playing uh, guild gates that mesh with each other and not just randomly playing guild gates. Is uh, there a number of gates and basics that you guys aim to play to make sure you always have enough targets for Securitas Rock? I mean, I've been playing six gates and uh, five basics and not having issues with it. Same. I, mean, I also like, play. I also play six gates, five basics. I think that might be... I think you could get away with five gates, honestly, but I, I don't see... like. I think having access to the six gate and when like when you really want it is more important than like a temple for what it's worth. Okay. And uh, a follow-up to what you guys said, uh, when it comes to five basics, I know I would say green and blue would be the ones I'd want to have two of, but it, what's your guys' basic count look like? The stock version, that's just two forests, two islands, one plains, two fetches. Okay. And when I and when I say fetch, I mean the new land that fabled I'm passage. Up. Yeah. Yeah, fabled yeah. passage, which has yeah. been absurd in this deck. Oh my god, being able to play that and trigger it for Field of the Dead for two triggers. I was playing Evolving Wilds at the end of Scape Shift before just to abuse that effect, but now when I can also just crisis for an even number with that and get double triggers is really good. I'm personally a fan of playing it, making some zombies, saying go, end of their turn, fetching, making more zombies, grow spiral, making more zombies, you know. Wow. I've actually... If it's that good, why not three guys? Oh, Mm. I have... Well, because it's it's still a tap land early, and then really late, it's not a land. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I think you can't play two... Yeah, it's a tap land early, and you, you have a limited number of basics. You do draw your basics. Um... Sometimes you route for a basic. It just doesn't happen that often, but I've done it a number of times. So, okay. Um, and, well, <laughs> you you route for your basics because how how the games play out is you know you'll go late game and you'll activate a Golos and you'll just hit a circuitous route and you cast it. You know, yeah. And because because that that's the part of the game where you're just looking for velocity and you're just trying to put as many permanents into play as possible. Um, but the other note that I want to bring up about Fable Passage is one of my favorite things to do with it is put it into play, trigger it a couple times, and then look like you're going to represent more threats that turn. Um, and then just don't, don't sacrifice it, untap, sweep the board, play another land, and then you have a really big threat that turn. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. The one thing to be very, one thing to be clear about is sometimes the threat of zombies end of turn is better than zombies end of turn. Yeah. So um, it puts your, sometimes it puts your opponent in a bind where um, you know if they play like a haste creature that's not questing beast now you have blockers for it or if they're like a control deck and they they're trying to rely on wrath to like buy themselves turns or set up things uh, oh. you you now have wrath protection and and sometimes making the zombies is is worse than just the threat of it so yeah yeah one hundred percent clear. And let's not forget about uh, the cards that people are going to start sideboarding to beat these decks that are going to come back that we saw in last season, Deputy of Detention uh, and Legion's End, being able to have them do those sorcery speed uh, effects and then be able to play some zombies is sometimes too much, depending on the board state. Yes, one thing I want to say, uh, yeah, one thing I want to say, this is a little bit of a different topic, but about the la- about land count, if... I think if you're playing a card like Beanstalk Giant, you you have to play a sixth basic land. Yeah. Like, just wanted to make that point. Um, sure. Because then now you have Beanstalk Giant, Fabled Passage, and Circuitous Route that are all competing to put a to put a basic land into play. And like, five is just too few at that point. That's fair. Yeah. 
And um, the last thing that I really have to say about this exact topic about Fabled Passage is you also have to keep in mind that there will be games, especially I find this happens a lot against Nissa decks where they're building a board, you're building a board and you play a, uh, like you don't want that Nissa to go ultimate, especially game one. Um, because you don't have a lot of interactive ways to deal with it. So I'll put the land into play because it's my land drop, but I don't need to fetch. And um, next turn, I might go los and make another fill of the dead. And if I sacked it earlier, I would have lost out on a zombie. And there might be a turn where I might suicide every zombie I have to put two damage on Anissa and then sweep the board because then for the following turns, I will have complete inevitability yeah and they just have a lot of their lands that they're losing thanks to realm cloak giant or exactly yeah. and so like you just don't so there's two things that a lot of my opponents are doing online and i don't i i have this weird thing where i don't believe that any of the people that are listening to me or my audience are these people but if you are you have to stop doing these two things you have to stop just casting your once upon a time during your opponent's first turn yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's and what, you have yeah. and you have to think about when you fetch your fetch in this deck. There's so many times where people are just making game actions at, at the incorrect times. Like when I I don't cast my once upon a time if I unless I really want to. Like I'll cast it during my turn after I've drawn. If I specifically want to find a colored source that comes into play tapped or an abortal grazer. If I don't need either of those two things, I'm gonna wait until the second turn right before I grow spiral. Yeah, yes. I see so many people put in like Temple of Maladies, Scry, and then like just once upon a time during their first turn. It's like, you're not going to play anything. Just wait till your turn. Yeah. yeah. Wait till your next turn. So yeah, there, there's a, yeah. like, it's yeah. it's about- no, I see that, uh, I see that quite often. Um, like the gate argument, we could go around and around on it and we just need more testing. But the one that I'm really wishy-washy on is Castle Vantress. Now- this, this land in certain situations has been awesome. I've even searched for it over like a third or fourth uh, field when I feel like my Golos is going to die and I don't have any action. Yeah. And so, um, but then at the same time, this land has screwed me over a couple times not being a dual land. Um, and it does come into play untapped usually, but the deck only does have six lands that put it into play untapped uh eight if you count the the fetches uh yeah. so so i've i've uh i've went back and forth on this i've never removed it from my deck but it's definitely on the chopping block but i know brian you have a different opinion of it yeah i think this card's incredible i i've won a lot of games with it all right it, it's uh it's one of like the new rare lands from throne of Eldrain. It's uh, it comes into play tapped unless you control another island but the island can be a dual land like breathing pool or hallowed fountain uh, otherwise it comes to play untapped and it just has an ability for two and two blue and tapping it. So five total mana effectively, uh, it lets you scry two. So that doesn't sound that impressive, but the nature of this deck is sometimes you have 12 lands in play. And sometimes what you can do is scry two at the end of your opponent's turn. If you're looking for a very specific effect, you can scry two at the end of your opponent's turn untap scry to again in your upkeep try to find this effect like let's say you need a a realm cloaked giant uh to wrap <laughs> no, that's opponent. not it that's oh, not it so, okay let's say you need a realm shifted <laughs> giant thank but you it's, not, it's, it's 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 cast away 
Let's say you need a brazen Bowerer. Bowerer. <laughs> a brazen Jack Bower is back. Dun dun. It's cast off. Yeah. Cast off. It's it's a. Uh, it's like uh it's the sequel to Castaway. Uh, Do you know what, Brian? You can go cast off. Yeah, you can go <laughs> cast yourself. Uh, oh, but yeah, there's nope. a. Uh, like let's say you need that card. Now you get to scry four, and that those four cards that you scry, you know, maybe you find once upon a time, maybe you find the giant, etc. Yeah, uh, five it, looks at it. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's basically five looks at it if you do something like that. So I, I found this the that you get into a lot of positions with this deck where, uh, you're kind of in top deck mode against a lot of some of the grindier decks, and yeah, you're making two zombies a turn with field, two field of the deads or something. But sometimes your opponent has you know Garrick and and they're they're keeping pace with you and their Garrick is threatening because if you block any of the wolves they'll be able to ultimate it or you can't attack because then they'll block with wolves they'll be able to ultimate their Garrick and you get in these kinds of situations that are really uh difficult sometimes and that's where Castle Vantress is a lifesaver because then you're like okay I'm digging for Hydroid Crisis for 10 and that's going to get me out of this pickle uh or or whatever so I, I found the card to be incredible in any kind of grindy matchup. Yes, it's not the best in a, in matchups that are supposed to be fast matchups, uh, but I think as a one-of land and a 29-land deck, it certainly earns a spot. All right, anything else in the lands that we need to talk about? I just want to say a couple things. One, like Corey, before we began this podcast, Corey was saying people weren't playing Plaza of Harmony. That's a giant mistake. Like a land that, a land that you can fetch that gains you three life, play it. Um... Yeah, that's all I want to say. We can continue. Yeah, and also the way that I have my mana base built, that's my second red source if I ever want to double activate Golos, which I found activating Golos in general um, usually feels like a win more or a strategic, like, I don't want to deploy the cards that are in my hand because yep. they might be extra Golos or I might not want to Hydrate Crisis this turn. Yep. And, and so I'll activate that and it, it gives you marginal advantage. Um, it's a pretty good effect, but having... The ability to double activate it usually is only when I'm trying to mill myself, um, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, I have never double activated Golos in my entire life. I'm, I'm not that lucky, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, I've also played <laughs> around 60 matches with the deck, so. Sure, sure. Uh, in the last, like, two days. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 50 uh, matches, you lying sack of shit. I mean, what? <laughs> actually, it's 55. Okay. I, 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 refreshed, I refreshed my, my thing. Brad but, told us it was 23 before this podcast, everybody. Now it's 52. You, to... <laughs> um, you yeah, unplayed then... three matches? <laughs> right, the so... three times he got paired against me, he can't. He wants to re- forget that they happened. Blacks him out. Nice. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the, 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 my mana base that I'm envisioning is what I'm playing in fandom. So if, uh, if you're listening to this, go check out um, the thirds fandom lists. I will have my current list. Also, my article on Star City Games is also the mana base that I've been using. Um, but we're going to move on now to Won't the Fandom spells. not be out yet, though? It'll be out. On Wednesday? Oh, no, the next day. Yeah, yeah. sorry. No, this comes out Wednesday. <laughs> no, it's today's Wednesday, Corey. It goes out Thursday. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Wow. Sorry. sorry, guys. I got my days wrong. All right. So you might be asking yourself why we spent half the podcast talking about lands. Well, we didn't know we were going to go that deep on it. But also, it is half the deck. And so now let's get into the get into the deck. Now, when the, the original list that Brian played, uh, Brian Gottlieb, Played, had four Boreal Grazer, four Hydra Graces, four Golos, four Realm Cloak Giant, uh, four Teferi, four Ghost Spiral, four Once Upon a Time, four Secutus Rats. Now that was 32 cards. We've trimmed it down to, to 31. Um, most people have. 
and some of these cards have been moved around but cards that we don't really need to discuss numbers on um our circuitous route gross spiral and golos those those three cards no one's touching the numbers on oh yeah. big to differ who's who's touching i've been playing i've played multiple multiple times i should say against people playing golos decks online that only play three golos uh you don't even know what? this i do know this for a fact because oh. you would because they you find the them? fourth golos with karn the great creator oh, oh wow yep <laughs> that's kind of wow. gas actually yeah <laughs> karn seems decent in the mirror yeah just some value, but um, <laughs> fine, sure, okay. Thanks, thanks, special guest. Thanks for that. Hey, better to be correct than incorrect here. I'm just trying. I'm trying to, you know, help us out. <laughs> thanks. Um, so, so let's let's start off with um the early game stuff. Now, um, there was an an MPL split. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what that is, which is most people, uh, <laughs> it is a quarter of the MPL play round robin against each other and then they get bracketed into a top four uh the top four people after the round robin will then play single elimination until the finals where they play best three out of five uh or two yeah two out of three they play it's not two single out of three. elimination it's it doesn't whatever we don't need to explain it it's yeah we don't we don't need to explain it but uh <laughs> one of the play round players... robin against each other with standard decks that's the yeah yes yeah. they play round robin and standard decks and two of those players did end up playing uh golos ramp now Alexander Hain pretty much played the same list that Brian did, but the more interesting one was Ray Saito's. And Ray Saito played his deck with four Beanstalk Giants and only one Arboreal Grazer as the ramp cards. Now that's why we brought up Arboreal Grazer. So let's let's talk a little bit about the ramp. Now we're we're not cutting Gross Spiral. That card's disgusting in this yeah, deck. When you yeah, draw that's it on the best. When you cast on turn two, it's amazing. Um but Arboreal Grazer and Beanstalk Giant both have value. Um, Grazer being better against aggressive decks and also just really, it's Grazer's one of the only ways to, um, I'm, it's the only way to have turn three zombies. Or turn three Golos. Yes, or turn three Golos. Yes, Grazer is the only way to to possibly do that. And uh, it's also very good against hyper-aggressive decks because of the sizing of threats these days. Uh, most one and two drops that have been attacking me don't have three power. Yeah. Not all, but most. Or even like Dreadhorde Butcher or Knight of the Ebon Legion. Like, it's just great to block with Grazer because you either force them to spend their turn killing a Grazer with the Knight of the Ebon Legion, or it just completely shuts down Butcher. So, one example from one specific deck. Yeah, and 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 there's just a lot of other like mono red or red black. Um, these decks uh, just play a lot of two ones and two twos and stuff yep. like that. So Grazer's very good against aggressive decks, but Beanstalk Giant is exceptional in a lot of the mirrors, or at least has been without decks evolving. Because late game, it is just a threat that that um, threatens one hit of lethal and is a giant. So the added benefit of Realm Cloak Giant means that it can't destroy the bean beanstalk giant which is a is a universal effect both players are going to cast uh in a mirror match do want to sweep boards at certain times mm-hmm. and if they can't get at this beanstalk i've had to teferi bounce it i've had to spend my turn casting a realm cloak giant so that they can't um cast uh send off cast off cast off yeah cast off um cast away was an actual card <laughs> okay uh cast off 
And so that does have value in the mirror, but it is slow. And also the reason I haven't been playing a lot with Beanstalk Giant, maybe I, I need to test it more, is because it adds more search effects to my deck that I have to take out of my deck when I play against, when I'm threatened by Ashiok. And that's, that's fair. And that's one of the things that scares me is adding more search effects to the deck. I already play 10. That's that's one sixth of my deck already gets shut off by Ashiok. And I, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to increase that, but do you have any opinion on Beanstalk, Brian? I, oh. Oh, Corey, Corey, you can answer. Yeah, sorry. I got one uh, opinion on Beanstalk Giant and why I actually do like it. Um, and it kind of is because it pairs really well with another card of the deck, Once Upon a Time. I just love being able to, with Once Upon a Time, search for a land that I need, a Grazer to accelerate myself, a Wrathagod in the form of Castaway and Realm Cloak Giant, or be able to search for a rampant growth with Beanstalk Giant. I think it's uh, it adds some versatility and it makes uh, Once Upon a Time a little better. And, uh, you know, more search effects are, are are pretty solid, but I can see your point with Ashiok. But I just love that interaction with Once Upon a Time. Yeah, I, I, um, I actually haven't played with Beanstalk Giant, but from playing against it, I've been really impressed with it. And I, I, I'm at the point just um from i mean i I need to test with it myself uh same boat as brad i've i've actually been spending the last few days testing other decks to try to beat golos uh rather than put more testing into golos but i think that uh i think that the card has looked incredibly impressive and like brad said it put it puts a lot of pressure on the opponent where any any uh realm cloak giant can just represent lethal at any point in time so the opponent is always forced to play around that, uh, which which can be awkward for sure. I've certainly had issues myself, you know, making sure that I'm not dead. Uh, and I, I think that just having another way to get to Golos on turn four uh, is is really important too. So yeah, I, I think the card is is strong. Corey's point about finding with Once Upon a Time is great. Uh, the question, the the thing that I have is is I actually don't know why you can't play both grazer and beanstalk giant yeah that's um, that's what i'm all about so and this is one of the other uh topics that we were going to talk about uh in, in this cast but I, I think teferi sucks actually in yeah. this deck i think teferi is is very weak um and so to me i think you can just play beanstalks instead of teferis but yeah i, I you know may, maybe like I, I understand there's some there's some kind of uh pressure sometimes where Arcorial Grazer might be your turn three play and instead you're Beanstalk Gianting. But the beauty is you can get the forest with Beanstalk Giant and then play the Grazer at the same time too. So yeah, I don't see these cards as necessarily competing with each other. Um I do think that if you're ha- if you're playing like Beanstalk Giant plus Grazers and stuff, maybe your deck is too ramp Cedric. You do weaken yourself to Ashiok uh in that regard. But I honestly don't think that someone's I think that that means we need to find better answers for Ashiok and not we need to not play Grazer or not yeah. play like Beans, a card that would be better in our main deck potentially. So Yeah, I think you make a great point there. I mean, I'd, I think Teferi is just thrown into these decks by default because it was such a stock thing to be doing last season. But last season, it was so much better when you can go Teferi, tick up, scapeshift at end step, kill you. Now we don't have that option. I mean, Secutus route on their end step or cast off um at instant speed is pretty cool and pretty effective especially against like nissa lands and stuff like that to be able to wrath wrath at instant speed but i'm with you i don't think uh teferi should be an auto four of 
I think it should for sure be a three of, and sometimes I could even see it going down even lower than that. So, so I, well, I, I mean, I thought you were going to go on the argument because I think Brian's trying to argue that Teferi just doesn't belong in the strategy. I, and that's what I'm saying too, is like, I, I think people are throwing it into the deck because of default without really thinking about it because they're just like, oh, it's Teferi Time Reveler. Get that in there. But I mean, I, I do actually, think I, I counter and argue that you're not thinking about it because there's, there's a lot of arguments to have Teferi in your deck. Um, yeah. and it's not, it's not just, it's, it's sideboard games. Like yeah. you can ramp up to eight mana and now I get to resolve my wrath. Yeah. And I didn't say I should, it should be zero. That's why I'm just saying that like three of, or two of could be the perfect number where it doesn't have to be a four of is kind of my point. I'm saying people just automatically put four in because of last season, but people should think about it a little bit more now that it's a different world. Well, I mean, there's all, I, I, I think it's possible you play zero. Like, I, there's there's different... I don't think that this deck is required to be banned. And I think Teferi... Um, I mean, I, I think... Well, there's Realm Cloak Giant, too. That card's really powerful. But Teferi is a large, like, part of the glue holding to get, holding Bant together as the colors for this deck. But there's no reason that this deck has to be a Bant deck. It could certainly be, you know, a different color combination as well. Yeah, green-blue seems like what it has to be, but I think uh, it could be green-blue any kind of X. Right. Well, Could be be green-blue any kind of X, I agree. While while I'm not going to um, disagree that that's not possible, of course it is, um, I I do think that Teferi is not as strong of a card as it used to be because of the reaction of the format and and some of the new cards, like, you know, uh, questing beast. And when I play against a questing beast deck, I know that I should just take Teferi out of my deck because it's it's not good against Oko, it's not good against Questing Beast or even Nissa. We talking and about so, bouncing that food, bouncing that food token, baby. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's such a powerful effect. Um, <laughs> and uh, but at the same time, in other matchups, it's it's protecting you from counter spells. It's allowing you to put back a. Um, a Golos into your hand when you want to cast cast off. And it's also bouncing cards like uh, Thief of whatever, or Agent of Treachery. And so mm. I, I definitely yeah, that's agree. that's good. That's good. But and, a lot of these also, lists don't even play Agent of Treachery. Like, like I, I, I get your point. Like, I think that uh, to, like if you're playing Agent of Treachery, then you should definitely have Teferi in your deck because of that interaction so powerful. But like, Look at Eliza Golos list. They have zero agent of treacheries and they're 75 and they're playing four to fairies. Like, well, I mean, I think we can uh, segue into that for agent. Why not play agent? Agent seems unbelievable in a ramp based strategy to me, especially if you're playing four to fairy. Um, yeah, I mean, we can, we can talk about that. Um, and, uh, shoot, I, I, I had one thought that I was trying to get back to. So I, I just want to go back and say one thing though. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, no, it's fine. Well, Beanstalk Giant, I think does deserve some spot in the deck, um, as some number, because I do agree with Corey on once upon a time and being able to get more options out of your spells that way is great. Uh, right now, the biggest reaction people are finding is to be hyper aggressive. And I think that's the way people are going to attack this deck in week one, or I guess week two. For, for Philly and the mocks and all of these tournaments this weekend. Mm-hmm. So while putting Beanstalk Giant in your deck is going to increase your chances of, or increase your value in the mirror, I don't even think that it like swings the mirror on its own as of yet. But, um, and I'll get to that uh, quickly. 
do not cut a lot of grazers for this weekend. I think the reaction that people are going to have is hyper aggressive or they're going to play mid-range decks that they think beats Golos that don't. And so even if you don't have the better card in your deck for those matchups, I don't think you're going to lose much for that. So what, so what would you play, Brad? How many? Yeah, I just want to say to it, your point, like I agree with Brad, there's people are going to be playing hyper-aggressive decks as a reaction, but Beanstalk Giant is better than Teferi against those decks, like massively better. So Oh, no, no, that, 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 yeah, you could play a deck without Teferi, but I think that comes with some of its own problems. Yeah, it does. You're, you're going to weak, you're going to be weak. You're, you're war, more one-dimensional without Teferi. You're going to be weaker to counter spells, all the stuff that Brad's saying. I completely agree, but... If your goal is to beat the mirror and beat uh, aggressive decks, Beanstalk's got to be the way to go. Okay. Yes. How about and, how about Grazer number boys? How many would you guys play this weekend? I mean, I'm I'm I haven't found a reason to cut down from three. I've been playing three for a while, and yeah, and I, and I like I like said, three. yeah, and I could you cut your Grazers out of your deck when the format gets more controlling, but it's not even a bad card in the mirror because the mirror is all about like <clears throat> getting on the ground first. Right. It's not like it used to be. Where um, there were scape shifts and 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 things of that nature to fairy scape shift combo. Nowadays, it if you you either get a huge advantage early or you have to slog through a really long game. And um, either get busy living or you get busy field of the dying. Field of the dying, indeed. <laughs> um, and, and and before we get to agent, um, because the the one thing I want to bring up in this in this uh, episode, and it's in my article, and it's like tech that I've been using. It, I, somebody beat me with it and then I just started playing it and I win every game one. And my opponents have had the black versions that are casualties of war with assassin's trophy and agents. Um, all of these cards people have been playing in the main race. I don't even played agent over Hydra crisis main. I just added one Fay of wishes to my main deck and one Jace to my sideboard. And I have not lost a single game one in a mirror because the games will slog on forever. And I play to that and we both just keep, building boards and destroying boards and we get both of our mana bases up to like 22 and my opponents because they don't know i have fave wishes they're they're not worrying about deck management deck size management and i am purposefully decking myself so that on the last turn when i have 20 to 22 lands i hydroid crisis for four of my remaining six cards and then i tutor for my jason i just win the game and that it's is awesome stop hitting yourself you're like, I'm yeah. sitting here decking myself. I just walk in, Brad's just like punching himself in the face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> tapping four mana to cast Fae of Wish's other side. Wow. I, don't awesome. even th- I haven't even told you about that yet, Corey, have I? I don't think so. No, yeah. So that's that's been, I have one Fae of Wishes in my, in my main deck. And it also goes and gets me planar cleansing against like Simic decks. Okay, I want to I want to say that I don't like... I have not had the same experiences that Brad has had in the mirror, which maybe we're doing things differently, or maybe I'm just getting lucky. But uh, I, I think that Beanstalk Giant can also play that role, where you, you make a 2020 Beanstalk Giant or whatever the hell it is, and then you cast uh, you, you you cast off your opponent's creatures but, and then kill them. So, but I do want to say something, and this is uh, circling back to what you brought up earlier, what you both brought up. You know, if a smart player plays around that kind of effect, all it takes is a Fabled Passage to just sack the Fabled Passage, chump block it for one turn, and then you're in the abyss of zombies again, and that that giant's never getting through, you know? So that's not a airtight plan, in my opinion. Oh, it's getting through if you have Embercleave. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that kind of sounds gas if we played more red. (laughs) You don't need more red. 
red. You just need two red. You can produce yeah. two red. Yeah, um, that's because we're playing Plaza of Harmony. Boom! So, Circling BBD, back. I gotta I gotta say one other point. You know when you said you either get busy living or you get busy dying? Yeah. Do you know why those people were in jail in Shawshank Redemption? Because they shanked somebody? No, because they played 28 lands. Boom! Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, you think Andy Dufresne killed his wife? That was somebody else, but he did play 28 lands in Golo, so justice. Yeah. And he spent his whole life trying to dig out his problems from that, so playing 29 lands, everybody. <laughs> Don't be Andy Dufresne. <laughs> I hate you both so much. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Can I get um, all my matches narrated by Morgan Freeman? Can that happen, please? Yeah. All right, Maybe so let's they actually finally made another zombie. I, I, I know it'll I know it'll get you both on course. Let's talk about actually the actual glue that holds this deck together. Once upon a time, oh, they're talking now, about planar cleansing. Okay, sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Once upon a time was a card that Brian immediately identified was going to be good in a Golos Ram strategy. Um, before I heard anyone talk about it, I, you were you were discussing it. Now, of course, I say that because we are roommates. He was bringing it up on day one of the spoiler or whatever, and. Um, it's just true that this card is disgusting in this deck. And I didn't even think about how good it is because if it's in your opening hand, you get to keep a lot of shitty hands yep. uh, because of this card. I've kept a lot of hands without green, but I have a growth spiral. And I'm like, well, I'm keeping it because I have one spot of time. And, and I hit almost every time. Um, yeah, I was going to say, how often is that a detriment, though, that it actually comes back to bite you if you if you miss? I mean, the so odds rare. are really... Yeah, it's so rare because okay. the odds are really high. It's 53 cards or... Or sometimes it's 50, uh, 52 cards, and you have none of your green sources in your opening hand. So you have, what, like uh, 16 or 17? I don't remember the exact count. Well, it should or... be 52 cards because, like we said earlier, you want to draw your card before you cast your... Well, this might be on literally your turn <laughs> one on the play. Yeah, you got to play it on your opponent's turn before your turn one, though, Brad. Yep. You can be like, like I have pregame effects once upon a time. <laughs> Anyway, no. it's like fifteen or f- f- around fifteen sources of green, maybe sixteen. Yeah. And, so far, oh, good. And and so like this card also sometimes I'll keep a really good hand, but um, I I want you know to aggressively dig for an arboreal grazer, and if I hit it, then my hand is just disgusting. Yep. And this it is just. A... Oh, sorry. And so it it gives you these early game advantages, but late game when you draw it, it's almost always going to be either a Wrath or a Hydra Cases or a Golos. You know, sometimes it's yep. not. but Sometimes and, it's just or Field, Field of the, of the Dead. Dead. Yeah. Sometimes you just find Field of the Dead with it. And and in fact, like, one, I, I want to make a point about a play. This is a, this is a high-level post-board gameplay, but if you suspect your opponent has Unmoored Ego, you want to get Field of the Dead into play early so they can't Ego Field. And uh, sometimes you're just like, all right, I'm going to Once Upon a Time, and if there's a Field in the top five cards, I'm taking it no matter what. Um, yeah, and you just put yeah. it into play immediately. Yeah, and you put it into play before they can cast Ego. Like, yep. yep. I think it's insane, and I think Once Upon a Time, this is the only deck where the card has looked good to me in Standard. Now, I, I have seen Adventure decks that utilize this in some number because you really need the Innkeeper, but, I mean, being able to find a land that does thing, Golos, Wrath of God, Rampant Growth, all in one card and sometimes for free, especially when on turn two you sometimes do not have the Growth Spiral, you actually want to have something to do on turn two. Like, Once Upon a Time in this deck is the only deck where I found it to just be phenomenal. 
Yeah, well, like the problem with this card and, and a lot of other decks is that you don't have time to cast to cast it. So exactly. this is this is the one deck where once upon a time is great and twice upon a time is also still good. Yeah, third upon a time is getting a little rough, but yeah, I think I think that it being good in adventure and it being good here, um, is is for a very specific reason about how the card functions. And a lot of like my Twitch uh, viewers ask questions um, because they just assume that every deck should play once upon a time. So yeah. for those of you out there that think this card is better than it it is and should be in every green deck, the card's value is reliant on how important a certain card is to your strategy, like Innkeeper, or the difference in value of all the cards you're looking at. So like a mm-hmm. Simic Ramp deck, every card has a redundancy level to it. Like, Plus there's yes, a lot of Planeswalkers, too, that can't be found. Yes. Yeah, you can't get your best card, Nissa. you know? Uh, that That is one of the things. But also, I'm just saying, like, you have 12 cards that are all accelerants. <laughs> you have Wicked Wolf and Voracious Hydra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, your plan is to just naturally curve out with redundancy. But, like, Realm Cloak Giant, Golos, Hydra, Krasis, a Boreal Grazer, these are your options you can find. And they all have varying difference of effect and casting cost. Yeah, and, and even Field of the Dead. You know, yeah, finding yeah. your your kill condition. And they all have different power levels later in the game, too, where uh, early on, like, sometimes Arboreal Grazer is, like, the card, the missing piece. Like, you want to, like, you have a breeding pool in your opening hand, and you have a circuitous route or something, and a Golos, and you're like, man, if I had a Grazer here, my hand would be complete. And once upon a time, it's like, yes, I can get me, I can try to find that Grazer. But then later in the game, you you don't want to draw a Grazer, but you can get another Field of the Dead or Krasis or whatever. Like, yeah, I think uh, I think what Brad said there is such a good way to look at Once Upon a Time because we're even seeing it like if we stretch into modern, like Tron doesn't want it because it has so many redundant effects. We're seeing Tron decks just not play it, but like the Allosaur Rider deck, you know, they they play that card because it does a specific role. You got to really look at what the card does in your deck uh, when it comes to standard. That's by far my most asked question on versus live as well. Also, like you got you got to be like in this deck, it's hard for Once Upon a Time to brick. You have so many good hits. Yeah. In a deck like like Simic Ramp, there's a lot of bricks. Even late in the game, you draw once upon a time, you have infinite mana, you cast it, and your top five cards are like a, like two lands, a Paradise Druid, a Nissa, and an Oko, and you're like, well, crap, I got a 2-1 out of it or something. Like, Yeah. yeah. Or um, post-board when you have like counter magic in and you like you have to miss on that, you have to think when to take out once upon a time, it becomes very awkward. So that's another very that's another point I wanted to make uh when we were talking about sideboarding with this deck is you can side out once upon a time if you're bringing in high numbers of spells. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't side out all of them, but you can you can trim down to two or three because then the card gets way worse. You know, if you have if you have yep. glass caskets or, you know, whatever else kind of cards on like egos or veils or you know, counter magic, then once upon a time is way worse. Sure. Yeah, and, and you also don't want to take out other creatures or something out of your deck and then replace them with spells and keep all of those once upon a times in your deck because they lose all their value. Yeah, if you're trimming all your Realm Cloak, Realm Cloak Giants and Arboreal Grazers and bringing in spells, yeah, exactly. Like, you'd rather cut once upon a times in some capacity. So I got a question for you, Golos Masters. Is there any thought to playing... I I would imagine we don't go any lower than this, but is there any thought to playing three Once Upon a Time, or is it just stock four of in this list? I think you could argue playing less than four, but I've been playing four because I've just been that impressed with the card. Okay. That's my impression too, but I don't know if I... You guys have definitely played more than I have of Golos so far. 
I would play. I would play four. Um, as I think, if you're playing twenty eight lands, it's you have to play four because you're going to want to hit a land with it a lot of the times. Um, with twenty nine, you could maybe consider three, but um, I I found the card to be so impressive that I would not want less than four. Honestly, if you're playing twenty eight lands, though, you have a lot bigger problems. You're going to be incarcerated pretty soon, so you got. Yeah. That was the third affairs. joke for it. No more, boys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've, I don't even know if lot- that's the biggest problem i mean you only have a, you have a limited of time to learn accounting so that you can do the warden's taxes so like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> all right bbd that was the fourth good work yeah you're welcome <laughs> all right so the the last thing i really want to talk about there's two more things to talk about in the main the the original lists played four realm cult giants and four hydro crisis now we've been seeing deviations on this where some players are playing time wipes instead of some realm cloaks and some players are playing agents main <laughs> over hydroid crisis now the agent main is a reaction to the mirror and i've already given you the best card in the mirror in my opinion which is a a uh a fay of, of wishes um so i i personally don't think agent is is a good main deck card because of the the other way the format plays out is hyper react hyper aggression and hydroid crisis is sometimes the perfect card against those decks brad is and, what we would call a secret not agent man so. Yeah, secret not ancient man. <laughs> and but but the the one that I have been dabbling with is the realm coat giant versus time wipe um, versus I guess planar cleansing. Brian really likes planar cleansing a lot more than I do. Oh uh, yeah. But I, I I'm currently playing two realm coat giants, two time wipes, and I've been slowly moving this way because time wipe is such a better card than realm coat giant in this deck. But you can't find it with once upon a time. Yeah, that's exactly the point I was going to give up. Are you giving up too much equity if you can't uh, search for a Wrath of God late game when you desperately need one? Maybe. I got to say, for what it's worth, that's a flavor fail. Once upon a time, wipe. Come on, wizards. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, so so, uh, I, I mean, ultimately, I'm playing two and two for fandom. Just because I didn't know the right number, but I thought I might want to, so I just decided to pull the trigger. Since uh, this is open decklist, and knowing that I have two time wipes is better because of things like round cloak giant, like or sorry, um, beast stock giant. Like if my opponent casts that, I can get it off the board. And also, it's just great to be able to bounce. You know, go golos. They put a bunch of stuff on the board. You bounce your golos and wipe the board, and the next turn you get a second fill of the dead, and the game's ultimately over. And for what it's worth, I mean, there are other giants. We see Bone Crusher Giant out there. I mean, it yeah. hasn't come up to me where it's important, but that card is being played more and more with these adventure decks popping up and actually being kind of relevantly good. Yeah, I think that the Gruel deck and the Mono Red deck both play the card, and it's a very good card in those subset hyper-aggressive matchups. Or Jund also- Adventures as well. Well, I think that splashing red in Jund Adventures is just ridiculous, but really? we don't have to oh, get into that. Yeah, just sure. play some <laughs> Legion Sends and don't ruin your mana base. My God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's adding a mountain and it's adding some Blood Crypts and Overgrown Tomb, so it doesn't seem like a cost, but that's for another story. Yeah, it's not a cost until now there's decks that are playing 16 burn spells. <laughs> um, so... So I, I personally think Time Wipe and Realm Cloak are the main deck options, but Brian loves those Planar Cleansings. Can you speak to your cleansing addiction? I can speak to it, yeah. I, I'm obsessed with the card Planar Cleansing right now. Uh, <laughs> building a lot of Planar Cleansing decks. They're all <laughs> they're all heinous, but you know what? That's my brand, so stick do with Do they it. have any win conditions, or are you just Planar Cleansing them into annoyance? Uh, they do have win conditions. Oh, uh, who are you? Um... <laughs> 
I don't even know anymore, man. I've lost myself. <laughs> dead inside. Field of the dead inside. Uh, so planar cleansing, the reason I like this card so much is I think a viable uh, strategy against this deck is uh, cards that don't get ranched by Realm Cloak Giant plus interaction is a, is a way to beat this deck. And what I mean by that is Garrick plus Legion's End. Um, you know, Nyssa plus uh, Questing Beast plus, you know, something else. Like, those kinds of effects, I think, are ways to uh, to attack this deck where, um, I guess Realm Cloak Giant's good against Nyssa or whatever, but, like, basically, like, the, like Oko is another one as well, where, you know, you wrap the board and then they go, all right, play a Nyssa, make a land a 6-6, six, six, and attack you for six more, maybe you're dead. Like, that kind of stuff is is good against this deck. I mean, that's where cards like like uh, Fabled Passage are, again, so important out of the Skolas deck. But mm-hmm. to, uh, that one, one thing I really like is Planar Cleansing. People are not prepared for it, and it embarrasses them. They feel like they can put as many pl- Planeswalkers into play as they want, um, and then they have to ration out their creatures. They're saving that questing beast for after you wrath, like all this other stuff. Uh, planar cleansing kind of embarrasses that where it's like, yeah, I'm just going to kill it all. And I, I've, I found it to be very important. I found some of those decks to actually be good against Golos and kind of a, kind of a, a slog to, to be able to, to plow through and, and be able to win. And I think planar cleansing like completely shifts the script on it, especially because people aren't prepared for it and they aren't ready for it. So I have one follow-up to that. You're saying, like, these are the kind of cards you need against, like, Nyssa. Isn't uh, Agent of Treachery, like, pretty good against those kind of strategies, just taking a Nyssa against, like, Ramped X, Blue-Green X? Yes. Isn't that a good reason to play Agent outside of just the mirror? Like, Brad, I would know you were saying your Fae of Wishes package is better, and I don't disagree, but Agent of Treachery has text against other decks, specifically Ramped decks. Oh, I, I agree with that. I, yeah. yeah, you're right, I think. Yeah. Oh, it definitely does, and I would make adjustments if I wasn't already beating the living crap out of every one of them I play. Okay, that's fair, because I do think it is a good matchup. Because Crisis, and Golos are not good against Oko. Like, they're good at, like, generating your value, but they don't beat them alone because Oko just puts them on the ground and chump blocks them. Yeah. And so, um, you you know, Agent's the one way to to interact with these Planeswalkers because... That's the best thing about Oko and why it's so good is if your creature has more text than just coming into play and giving you an ability, they have the ability or the option to invalidate that. Mm. Um, so I, if, if I start losing the matches, I'll start shifting around. But the my philosophy on decks like this, like BAMP, or like Golo strategies, these over-the-top mid-range decks, is always... Don't overcorrect for a single matchup. Try to build your deck to beat everything and then make adjustments after that. And right now I'm in the spot where I'm waiting for the format to really show me what it's going to do so I know where to pivot my deck. But if right now everyone's going hyper aggressive, so if I'm still beating decks with four Hydra Crisis in my deck, I don't want to change that because that's one of the ways I get out of those situations. So you're saying you're waiting for the format to... Show me what you got. Yeah, show me what you got. And I right was, now, I like what you got because it's nothing. Yeah. I was just I was just picturing Brad sitting at the computer waiting for his computer to do something, and then the meme of the Titanic woman shows be like, it was 84 years. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's let's move on to um I think we hit all the all the main deck 
things of discussion. So let's, let's, uh, I guess there's one note thing. Some people are starting to add Kenrith, the return King. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is the buy box promo for throne of Eldraine. It is King of the, the return. Sorry. Kenrith, the return King for four colors and a white for a five, five legendary creature. And it has five abilities on it. They're mm-hmm. the, the biggest of one in my opinion is just are all creatures gain trample and haste until end of turn, which allows you to make a bunch of zombies and effectively do the scape shift. Um, the the scape shift plus what's the uh, plane Samut. Samut. Uh, yeah, yeah. Samut ability. I do think the life gain thing is pretty relevant though. Like you can really pivot and just say, you know, this card's not going to kill you right now, but y- neither are you. <laughs> you know, I mean th- that yes, that that this card probably is good against hyper aggression, but it has to be mono red because. Um, the other builds already have removal spells for your, yeah. you know, good removal. And so, speaking of what you said about Oko that turns something with more text into a, a 3-3 Elk, would this hit the category, Brad? I, it probably would, yes. <laughs> um, but so I, I think that it's cute and it's cool and maybe it's really good in versions that are playing Fires. But I'm, like I said, I, I'm going to react to the format once I see something worth reacting to. And everyone's trying all their cool brews and that's cool, but I wanted to try to find the best deck for this week. And that's just very boring, you know, ban. I mean, okay, I'll be honest. I'm saving all of my awesome shit for next week when we register for the Mythic Championship. <laughs> you know? I call your bluff. I'm yeah, saying, I don't you got you're saving this, is, this is everything. <laughs> you're saving it for the Mythic Championship. I'm saving it for marriage. So. <laughs> <laughs> Now right. let's speak of the 84 years meme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm only 33. Calm down. All right, so let's let's move on to the sideboard now. There's a, a lot of stock cards that everyone's been playing. Veil of Summer, Negate, um, maybe an extra Wrath or two, like Total <laughs> Cleansings if they want those. Um, and then some form of removal, whether it be uh, Aether Gust or devout decree or glass casket don't forget march of the multitude brad well there are some like random cards people play like agents <laughs> also one of those more stock ones the the random cards are unmoored ego ashiok um knight of autumn and uh and march of the multitude now yeah. i've also uh, been seeing lists with one copy of jace in the sideboard it makes no sense to me yeah I don't oh get yeah it. the one copy i, I don't of get how they win really with bad. that card yeah <laughs> yeah it doesn't make any sense <laughs> so so to speak on Brian's uh, deck, um, I talked to him. His his list was based Brian on Brian Gottlieb. To be completely... sorry, Brian Gottlieb. Yeah. Um his his deck was based around theory. He did not play test. This was last week, so we can't really hold this as a stock sideboard. This is just the deck that he was just the one that really put this strategy on the map, and now everyone's playing it. But a lot of the sideboard options have just changed. Like, so we can't even use this as a frame of reference, in my opinion. Man, what an idiot he was to have a sideboard that didn't age as the format transitioned. Yeah, every day. So loose. Can we also say, like, how insane it is that that was three days ago, and now that's just, like, that deck is obsolete. You know, standard moves so fast right now, it's unreal. Well, yeah, I mean, there's just everyone getting a chance to play it so early. You know, it comes out yeah. three days before the pre-release. Now, while I like that for the st- for for myself because I like to play Magic as soon as I can, um, part of me just feels sad that the first time I I get to play with the cards, you know, was at the pre-release. I also want to say like that, that MTG yeah. Arena facilitates faster game pl- faster acquisition than Magic Online did. 
Because with Magic Online, packs had to be open and cards had to be open for you to be able to play with them. And so some of the new cards, like a new Mythic comes out, like, you know, Brazen Borrower or Oko or whatever, and people want to play four copies in their deck immediately, and it's like, there's 70 ticks each, you know? Yeah. Good luck. Oh, you do yeah. you want to you yeah. want to spend you want to spend four hundred dollars on your deck right when it comes out on Magic Online? Hell no. Oh, I, so to, I, to to make this to to be better on this, I just <laughs> I actually have an example. Last week for fandom, it was day one and it was two hours. Or technically, it was supposed to. We were supposed to start playing an hour before the set uh, the the patch happened, but the patch was like forty five minutes early. So the tournament starts at my eleven a.m. Um, and I. Hear that the patch is open at 9.15. I've already gotten a coffee. I sit down at my computer. I open 100 packs, use all my wild cards, and I have my deck by like 9.22. And I'm like, I guess I'll play five matches before the tournament. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I had my deck ready to go that had like 20 cards from the new set. <laughs> yeah. And to give another point, like of the flip side of Magic Online, I saw LSV on Twitter saying, does anybody have any Emras online? Emery's, I need to make a legacy video, but I cannot get them on Magic Online right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's the flip side of that. <laughs> oh, well, the, the other benefit is, you know, at least, you know, Rich Hohen's computer went to blown up if he was drafting on on Magic Online. <laughs> that's right. I wouldn't I wouldn't have had to buy a new laptop if I was on Magic Online. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I, I thought about it. My my laptop worked really well last year and it kind of I ended up upgrading and getting a new laptop this last week. And, you know, Amber said, she's like, do you think Arena just killed it? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I literally have a brand new piece gaming PC in a box right now, right next to me because I had to get a new computer. Is Arena just like making everybody buy computers? I don't know. Is Arena... We're... Is Arena in in cahoots with like a computer company and they're just yeah, like, okay, HBO you open. They are. Yeah, HBO open. Oh my God. It's oh a conspiracy. Oh my God. Tinfoil hat time. Holy <laughs> shnikes. Wait, 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 wait. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Can you guys hear this? Can you guys hear this? No. no. Wait, don't say anything. It's a conspiracy, guys. It's a conspiracy. Wow, I think that was really worth it, Brad. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was really worth it. That was, yeah, that was a uh, well well spent time. Uh, yeah. I want to say now, I don't... we now owe X Files like fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, we're not worth that much. Take Any... us to court. We got nothing. Yeah, take us to court. We're bankrupt. Our, our Patreon doesn't even work right now, so well, we shut it down. But no, they 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 are in cahoots with HBO, man. We need. We need somebody to make a YouTube video that's not complete nonsense about this. Uh, I yeah, bet there's don't, one don't, that exists. Don't say that, Brad. That I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's already out there. I, I will say uh, that I don't know if MTG Arena is uh, is killing people's laptops, but it did kill the video store. So <laughs> no video did that, Brad. Wait, or, or, wait, it was radio kill. Never mind. I'll yeah. see myself out. All right. Anna, my name's not Brad. It's Brian. <laughs> yeah, and, I, it's not Bri- it's, and it's not the Brian that Brad's been referencing this entire time either. Yeah, I, I, I messed every single thing about that comment up. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll respectfully uh, step out of here. Every right, word re- that you just said was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Reeling it back, um, there's, a few, there's a few things that I want to highlight. So my sideboard currently for the deck actually has five um proactive interactive spells for aggressive strategies i have two devout decree one glass casket two aether gust 
because I found that when I play against these hyper-aggressive decks, um, once I go get the Golos train, you know, Revan, that that plus Hydra Crisis should stabilize. But those early turns, if I'm if I don't have my Boreal Grazers or my Gross Spirals, I I am in high demand of interacting with them, especially on the draw. Yeah, like a, 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 a even a turn four Realm Cloak Giant, often not enough if you didn't do anything prior to that point. Yes, yeah. they're, 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 these decks are being designed to go completely under these decks. And that's why, you know, right when the format started, that blue-green ramp deck that I played annihilated these aggressive decks, right? Because you had spells all the way up the curve. You could interact with them on turn two, three, four, five, six. But that's that's not this deck. This deck has to ramp, has to do its thing. So I have a lot of cheap interaction and and I change my deck for that. I take Teferi out and I, I do yeah. all this stuff. But, I think Devote Decree is one of the better cards right now. Hitting all these aggressive decks that you're afraid of, plus hitting Ashiog, is just so nice right now. Yeah, I mean, my, mainly I'm playing two Devote Decree over more Glass Caskets, and a lot of people I've seen play Glass Casket, is because both Mono Black and um, Red, or Black Red, they play the uh, the card I can never, Spawn of Mayhem or Torbon, and both of those cards cost four, and you really want to get them off the board. Yeah. So, yeah, or Rankle. Rankle can be a pain. Yeah, rank, Rankle's also kind of annoying. Yeah, all these cards are annoying, and sometimes you just want your removal to be able to kill them. Um, yeah. I've been a huge fan of Aether Gust, though, because I do like having a little bit of interaction against green decks, mostly because usually Nissa is not relevant until it hits eight mana, or until it hits eight loyalty, and yep. so just having a few ways to interact with it is nice. Also, yeah, like, exactly. against some red decks, like Chandra, uh, four mana Chandra... It, like just it, it doesn't do anything until it gets to seven mana and then it's threatening to deal you like you know probably 13 damage so that's where you need to go like all right i'll just wait and gust it once it gets up to there devout decree also good there too but yeah, people still play that card oh i've been playing against it wow yeah but so the reaction um cards i've been evan flowing on and one of them in particular that i found very little value in is veil of summer yes. um, interesting yeah, I just, I thought the card was going to be a lot, like I had two, at one point I was playing three. Uh, this was early on, you know, two days ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was so, so, that was a different format. Yeah, yeah, it was so long ago that I had three of them. Uh, yeah. That so was, wait, that, I got a question, a, a real head scratcher. By the time this podcast comes out, will everything we have said been completely invalidated? Things we said at the beginning of the podcast are already invalid. Yeah. Well, here's, here's more of an existential <laughs> question. Are things we're saying right now even relevant at all? Uh, Am I even alive? Are you... T- are, well, Act, you, well that's, you know, a, that's something that I can ch- chime in on. You're the only one who knows that for sure, because yes. the only thing I know in the... The only thing I, I can say for sure is that I'm alive, and the only thing I can say about that is I don't feel alive. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being our resident dead inside expert, BB. Yeah, you, you guys really are, put yeah, a any, lot of insight on. Any here. questions about being dead inside or out? Happy to help. Happy to help. <laughs> or I should um, say, I'm sad to help. But <laughs> so I'm only playing one veil of summer. <laughs> <laughs> Great transition. Yeah. Great transition. Well, I mean, honestly, we're not th- seeing thought erasure ever anymore, and like. That was one of the main reasons, right? Because the decks that played Thought Erasure were very good, and they also played Legion's End. So it was insane against those, but we're not seeing blue-black decks at all. Well, I've, I've, I've lost a few times to, like, what I'm just calling Soul-Tie Midrange. It's just whatever combination of cards they want to put in a Soul-Tie deck, but most of them 
just are designed to, you know, to wreck this deck. So after sideboard, they have Thought Erasure, Ashiok, um, Legion's End, Unmoored Ego, Garrick. Like, so when you play all of the early game stuff that is really annoying, cards like Garrick and Liliana are really tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if they like, and if they have casualties of wars and assassins trophies for your, your, um, field of the deads, th- then, then it's tough. Now I don't think Legion's end is the way to attack this deck anymore because it's no longer scape shift for an unreasonable amount of zombies. It's yeah. put three to six into play every turn. So what? Oh, these, uh, you're talking about these soul tide decks, planar cleansing. Oh, Plater Cleansing is good. I did lose when I played her Cleansing, though, because they had they had nine creatures and a Liliana. They just got to draw a million cards. So Oh, they just got um, to draw infinite? But, I mean, that's another reason why, like, just Devote Decree, you know, is just insane. It kills both of those six-mana Planeswalkers for Corey, two mana. you're really devoted to this Devout to Decree in the yeah. sideboard. <laughs> devout Decree. He's, he has been de- devoted to this card for multiple episodes. Yeah. I have been. You know what? I'm dead. Of, I'm dedicated to the cause, man. You're like, I love my Obzon Midrange deck. I am playing seven Devout Decrees. It's yeah, amazing. I, I am now off the Abzan train. Wah, wah. Okay. I, I want to say something about the sideboard is like, yeah, we can talk about individual cards and numbers and stuff. I actually firmly believe that reactive cards in the sideboard are straight trash in this deck i don't like negate at all i don't like veil of summer like veil of summer i think exists ex- like the the value of veil of summer is just 100 percent the deck that brad just said and i'll have veils in my sideboard because of that deck's existence but outside of that like eh like i, I just i think these reactive cards are, are garbage in this deck like you want to be tapping out a lot um holding up a negate on turn like seven after you've already gotten your field of the dead thing going it just like it's so pointless you're already winning like i, I like I, negate and why not dovin's yeah. veto like just it doesn't matter or? well you play field of the dead just yeah. to tap for colorless i guess well, well yeah negate's just way easier to cast okay yeah. like you, right. you you don't always have blue white open um sure and I, I don't know if I agree with Negate. I, definitely Veil of Summer, but... Negate, I think Veil's way better than Negate. Oh, I think oh, Negate... Oh, shots fired. I've liked Negate. Negate's good in the mirror. It's good against... Um, I don't think it's good in the mirror. I mean, hitting a Secutus route's pretty nice. Sure, if you exactly line exactly that scenario up, it's good. Like, it's it's just so hard to do that. Like, it, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds to, to line those things up because, like, A, you have to have the Negate in your opening hand... They have to tap out for Securitas route when they could easily just do something else instead. Um, I, I, there's just so many. I, I don't know. It, it just feels like yeah, it's a blowout when it happens. But most of the best cards in this deck are creatures. I, I, I will say yeah. Beanstalk Giant uh, helps a little bit with the negate plan because you know it's a lot easier to have four mana go Beanstalk and then hold two mana up. Um, but that's that's kind of narrow. But then you hold a two mana and they play Golos and you're like, fuck, you know? Yeah, agreed, agreed. I also think having the gate is against the Beanstalk versions is even better. Because you, all you're trying to do is just stem me some of the ramp and get your own. Yeah. But you you're, you could be right, Brian. The gate has lined up for me really well in the mirror. So that's why I really like it. But I do agree with you. Sometimes it's just rotting in your hand. Um, it's, it's, a, it's the... it's it's. Rotting registers, brother. You know, yeah. I just, gate. I just bring it in. So, so here's my reasoning. Here's my reasoning. I have literally won every game one in the mirror 
because of Fae of Wishes. And so I'm on the draw in a in a disproportionate amount of my mirror match games after Cyborg. Sick brag. Uh, but this is just a true <laughs> thing. And so I I am scared of Unmoored Ego or Securitas Route on the draw. So I've really liked Negate on the draw. I haven't really reconsidered how to build or tune the deck to not to be on the play for the mirror without it. So these are like questions I'm going to ask myself in the following week. If I end up playing this deck for the Mythic Championship, like I have to tune these numbers, play and draw. But on the draw, I kind of just like having a negate held up on turn two just for cards like Unmarty Gover Securitas Route. Eh. Uh, you you I have mean, to I have like it, it in your you have to have it in your opening hand. You have to have blue source plus another untapped land. And sometimes that messes up your future turn curves. If you have to play the untapped land too early, and I, there's just it, a lot of things I don't like. I understand that, but it just gives you a little bit more stuff to do in those early turns. Like I'd it rather gives just you more. Okay, yeah, I, I I understand what your point is, but I'd rather just play a proactive card. I'd rather just yeah. play my own ego, my own Ashiok, and not try to stop what they're doing. Sure, I, I get that. Maybe, yeah, I'll, I'll, I've definitely thought about my own Ashioks. It's just kind of difficult to cast. Yeah. It is. And and Brad, to be fair, I think your idea is pretty good. BBD is our resident dead inside expert, so he is a little bit of a pessimist on these things. So, you know, I think it's I think it's pretty good. <laughs> um and then, oh, and you then optimistic I... son of a bee. <laughs> now my yeah, sir, so, actually. Yeah. So there's other things that some people are playing, like more mystical disputes. I put one on my sideboard just to try it, plus it's open information tournament uh for fandom. So I'm like, yeah, I might as well have one. Uh just to give it a shot. I mean, I, I just registered without knowing exactly what I wanted. Um, Talsmere, people are playing too. I think that's just bad. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see the I don't see the value in adding more expensive creatures to your deck that you already play. And I understand the logic of playing creatures in your sideboard that work well with Once Upon a Time, but I would rather just trim on Once Upon a Time and play more React early cards. Because if you kill a two-drop that you would normally not kill... That saves more than three life. Yeah, and also like you like, are you bringing Talzmir in against like Black Red? Like, what if they just draw a Spawn of Mayhem draw? Yeah, like, and I mean, it's competing with your Golo slot. Like, you don't want to be yeah. competing with your best card. Yeah, don't don't add extra five drops to a deck where you already have seven five drops, potentially even more, potentially <laughs> yeah. eight or nine five drops. Yeah, it's just yeah, it just yeah. it's it sounds like too much. But um, that sounds bad. Other than that, yeah, like. Uh, like like I said, the deck list that I'm playing is going to be in my article at Star City Games, along with uh, Fandom, and uh, that's that's all I really. Hey, you got. should slap it in the Discord as well into our uh, Patreon Discord. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, perfect. Um, and so that's that's that for um for my list. I'm playing up two Unmoored Egos and two Agents. I still think I like those cards. Um. But other than that, is there anything that we might have uh, missed on the subject? Is there anything you two want to say about I just want to add one, one final closing thing. It's going to be real quick. But I, I just want to say that this deck's all about um, maximizing the value out of your cards and sequencing. And it, it's really important to be cognizant of that at all points in time. Like, uh, for example, like the card Once Upon a Time. This goes into what Brad said before. Don't cast it until you've drawn your card for your first turn and then again don't cast it if you like if you don't if you don't have if you have a grazer in your hand and no untapped green cast it because you might find the untapped green or if you have an untapped green source like a breeding pool and, and no grazer cast it you might find the grazer but if you don't have either of those just don't play it don't play it until you need to like yeah. play a play a scry land for turn 
you know, that'll give you way more information. You want to cast the card once you have the most amount of information you possibly can have, because then you know what you want to find. And, like, same thing with, like, the Fabled Land, uh, Fabled Passage. Um, sometimes I'll have it in my hand and a Field of the Dead, and I still won't... Pl- I'll play other lands first, because I'm saving Fabled Passage for once I get the second or third Field of the Dead into play. Mm-hmm. That's where I get the most value out of the number of zombies it produces. Like, exactly. that kind of, those kinds of plays, like, you need to be cognizant of how you can... You know, act like if you're playing a grindy matchup where the game is going to be about card advantage and stuff, activate Golos instead of casting Hydroid Crisis. That's three free cards. But if you're playing a matchup where it's just about once, like once you do your Field of the Dead thing, the game's going to be over. Just play Hydroid Crisis, get the sure bet. You know, there's just a lot of sequencing there, and it all comes down to matchups. But um, speaking yeah. of speaking of value, like you're saying, an example <laughs> about this with. With Fable Passage is I played a mirror once where I used my Golos, found a circuitous route where um, the, I had one gate and two basics left in my deck. And I just took the gate and left both basics because I never wanted to take the other land. Just the board gets swept. And so I lose those two or three zombies anyway. And then I draw my last basic and can't hold it up against their Beanstalk Giant. Sometimes like, you can even play Golos and just get Fabled Passage out of your deck. Like, yeah. yeah. Put it into play. And, I mean, it's tapped, but next turn you'll have that option. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And w- another thing just to add on to everything that you guys said is just like, just because you can put the max amount of zombies in, it's not always correct because, you know, your your opponent could have Wrath of Gods, Deputy, Legion's End and stuff. Another play that uh, is pretty common that I do is if I have a Growth Spiral and one land, Wait till end step just to grow spiral and put in the land if they have a possibility to destroy all my zombies. Um, but, you know, I see too many people that just play the land and then hope to grow spiral at their end step and maybe hit another land. And that's fine if you don't expect a wrath or, you know, they don't have the possibility to wrath you. But if you want the surefire zombies, just don't play the land and so you can end step it. Or don't play the grow spiral, too. You can sometimes... Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, You know, you're holding up grow spiral at the end of your opponent's turn... And they're playing a deck with like Legion's Ends or Deputies and stuff, and you're you're ahead on board. Just don't cast it. Save yeah, it. Wait yeah. until they destroy all your things. So yeah, you just really <laughs> just really always be conscious and think about the things that you don't <laughs> think you need to put a lot of uh, uh, thought into. I, I'm gonna interrupt you there, Corey, as a uh, life as and, a dead a, expert. A, yeah, always being conscious <laughs> is really a big key towards be, towards not being dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why we brought you on here. Being I mean, also, but if you're always conscious, you you might be feeling dead inside because of your sleep deprivation. That's right. It could be. Could be. Yeah, that that uh. could be one of your one of your problems. <laughs> um, no, I agree with all of that though. About like, just be patient with this deck. It's not like Scape Shift was, where you're ultimately put such an overwhelming amount of power into play on one turn that the entire pendulum of who's going to win swings. This is a grind. The games can some your 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 goal is to literally put your opponent into a position where they can't win. Yeah. Um and I remember a lot of people like a lot of the uh the uh what's the amulet titan players were saying like you're not playing to win, you're playing to put your opponent at 0%. Yeah. yeah. And and that's a lot this deck plays out a lot like that cuz you can go for gusto and most of the time it's going to work, but also most of the ways you're going to play that game are going to work. But if they do have that specific card that answers one of your strategies and you kind of just went all in, then you might have, they might have found a window to beat you. Yeah. And sometimes and that say, means, oh. I was going to say, sometimes that means on eight mana, you go Golos, put a land into play, play Teferi, bounce Golos. 
yeah, I've maybe done that you can so acti- many times. Yeah, you can activate your Golos the following turn, and that represents a lot of value. But if your opponent has a Wrath or a removal spell or whatever, you want to preserve your Golos. And the zombies are going to put pressure on them, and they have to answer the zombies. And then once they Wrath, then you play the Golos again, like that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, and one thing I want to say that we didn't really touch on and nobody really talks about in general is we are walking into a new standard format. So anybody that's going to be playing like SCG Philadelphia, these games are a grind. It's not arena anymore where you have this unlimited clock. You you know, you got to be conscious about the clock in this situation. You don't want to draw yourself out of these tournaments um, because these games will go long. You can't think too much about your decisions. So practice is a key coming to, into this deck because you got to know these... Uh, expert lines ahead of time you don't have time to think about every single one that's a very good point because i have played some very long matches on arena with this deck like uh a few that have went close to an hour mm-hmm. um and, mm-hmm. and an hour on arena is like an hour and a half in real life yeah i played is, a yeah. uh i played a 50 minute game one last night i even showed brad a screenshot of me milling my opponent out <laughs> they had six minutes on their clock after game one yeah. See, I mean, you know, be conscious about this. You don't want to draw yourself out of the tournament. So. Yeah. And you'd also don't want to draw Corey out of the tournament because you played slow. So get your shit together. <laughs> I'm not playing, but thank you. I know. <laughs> I wasn't talking about you, Corey. Just like oh. I wasn't talking about our Brian. Okay. I bet Generic somebody Corey. named Corey is going to be in the tournament. Yeah, Burkhart might make it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this week. Um Please, on social media at Bash Bros Podcast, let us know if you liked this deep dive or any ways that we could improve it. We are going to transition from not making as many jokes as we used to and trying to do this. And I just want to get your opinion on on this episode. Also, your opinions on how you build your deck um, of Golos Ramp. I'm really interested in seeing what you've put in your deck because this is a deck that I've been working on a lot. Uh, or, or just copy us and you're going to do good. That's also fine too. And as always, if you don't like uh, these new deep dives, tag at Shaheen Sarani and, and let them know about it, okay? Wait, if yeah, they copy us, they'll do good. So what you're saying is like, if somebody copies our Golo stack, they're going to be like planting trees, saving the environment. Is that, is that what well, I mean? Well, they're not going to be in jail from 28 lands. So that's do you no, mean they're going to do what, well? What are, what are you talking police? about? Okay, Brian, what are you talking about? They're going to take our deck list. They're going to fly in a plane. <laughs> to a tournament and get the cap and then they'll qualify for another tournament where they fly in another it's all self-serving and bad for the environment they're gonna wait, fly wait, wait. their can private I stop? jet too yeah. yeah can i stop you guys right here brad just says how are you gonna like or i hope you guys in like like our non-joking podcast a little bit more and then we immediately made three jokes yeah well you, you can't you can <laughs> hate the player but don't hate the game yeah. true that true that <laughs> I'm anyway. just playing the field of the dead. <laughs> Brian, maybe that's what's wrong with your dating life. You keep you're 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 playing the field of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go for the living, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh, what I'm playing. Oh, I'm, playing the, I'm playing the field. I'm going to all these clubs where I'm trying to grind out wins. It's just none none is working. Like <laughs> Oh, Rosalind, nineteen thirty-four to nineteen eighty-nine. How you doing? <laughs> Wow, that is dark. That's too dark even for me. Wow. On this note, Brad, take us home. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Bash Bros Podcast. Again, you can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify.
Spotify and Stitcher. We do have a Patreon, but it is down for revamping. But the new model should be out later this month. We'll see. We're not working on it. Our editor is doing that because he is awesome. But once it comes back up, we would love your support because... We need to get that man paid. We put him through a lot of shit. <laughs> and so we need to get that man paid. And you can do so and help us out by becoming a uh, a Patreon on patreon.com slash Bachelors Podcast. Uh, but until then, we will see you next week uh, after registration for the Mythic Championship. We will not be putting our, or I guess we might do our episode before. I don't know yet. We'll have to talk. But those last couple days are always super stressful. You guys enjoy not sleeping and not eating and uh, the stress of the pre-tournament jitters. Just like every person of the dead. (laughs) Anything else, Brian? Oh, also, Brian, thank you for being our special guest this week. We really appreciated you. You're welcome. It was an honor and a privilege. Awesome. I'm so glad that you could come here. And don't forget... Don't forget, you can find him at MTGBBD or Six Feet Under uh, in a grave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Six Feet Under, by the way, one of my favorite TV shows. Ooh, in a grave, one of my favorite TV shows. Hasn't been produced yet. It's in, uh, it's in production. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.